For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we'll be talking about today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 9 is where we'll begin. The Bible says, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. In verse number 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. The Apostle Paul is humbling himself here, and he's talking about, I'm not worthy to be an apostle because of the things that I did, that I persecuted the church. I would go into a town, and I would drag Christians out of their home, have them killed, martyred, thrown in prison. If you remember when the first deacon was stoned, Stephen, the Bible says that his clothes were laid at a young man's feet named Saul, and that was the apostle Paul. He was in charge at that time, and he had him stoned. Oh my, what a testimony that is to see that when Stephen was dying, that he looked up and he said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Think of that. Paul saw that and heard that. What a testimony that had into, into the Apostle Paul's life because people do not die for something that they don't believe in. Amen. He believed it. And so verse number nine, he says here, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the last in line. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He says, because I persecuted the church. But then he goes on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter what you did before you got saved or how good you thought you were, how good of a person you were or how bad you truly are. All of us are no good sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But listen to me, like Paul writes in this verse, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace of God that he has bestowed upon mine and your life, that he wants to show us mercy, grace, and love. And he wants to bestow that upon you. But you remember what the Bible says, pride. Pride is a wedge in between you and God. And the more pride that you have in your life, the deeper and wider that wedge will go and pry you away from God. Matter of fact, the Bible said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace 
unto the humble, giveth grace unto the humble. And that's, that is for the Christian. Amen? Because a Christian can have pride in your life. And a lot of times, that's why people, what they do call shoot the wounded. They're running them down. I've never done that. I didn't do that. I wouldn't do something like that. What are they doing when they're bad-mouthing that person or running them down? They are lifting themselves up in pride. And that goes on a lot within the Christian realm. And it shouldn't. You have to fight that. Pride comes naturally. Humility does not. It is learned. Amen. So Paul says here in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, listen, which was bestowed upon me, not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul says that he now is what he is by the grace of God. And Paul labored tirelessly. He worked hard to serve the Christ that saved him. And Paul did a lot. I tell you what, God used him to pen a lot of the New Testament. But he immediately does not lift himself up in pride. He immediately gives all the glory to God because he says to himself, it's not I. But it's the grace of God that is working within me. In other words, I can do nothing of myself. It's all because of Christ and God and his grace and mercy. And so to keep himself from filling up with pride, Paul says, I couldn't do anything without Christ. But what he write in one verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so the power came from God. And I just want a side note here that that famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is one of the most misused verse in all of the world, I think. People write it on their shoes and on a shirt and on a t-shirt, and they think it's because they can slam dunk a ball or they can catch a ball or they, they can run faster than this guy or they can jump higher than that guy. I can, that is not what it's talking about. That is not what it's talking about. Christ didn't come so you could be the greatest athlete on the planet. Christ didn't come so you could be the most popular person there is. Christ didn't come so that you could be one of the richest people on the planet. You listen to me. Christ came to save you from the penalty of sin, which is a place called hell. He came to give you eternal life. Amen. That's what Christ came for. And that's what he offers you in this life. You're going to have trouble. He doesn't offer you a perfect life. He doesn't promise you the sickness is going to weigh, going to go away, or you'll have no more bills or everything will be perfect. or you have no more problems. No, he even says in this life, you are going to have trouble. Listen to me, but it's by the grace of God that you can walk through those fiery trials and put all the glory toward God. Amen. When somebody sees you going through a hard time and you say, hey, God's still good and you give him all the glory, no matter what happens, even if I lose my life, I trust God. Amen. Paul simply says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I'm here to tell you, same with you, ladies and gentlemen, you are what you are by the grace of God. Amen. Look with me now in verse number 11 as Paul's continuing on. He says, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Hey, Paul joins himself now to the other apostles. He said, it doesn't matter who preached. You believed 
and they're all united. Listen to me. They're all united in their testimony of the gospel, and particularly as to the resurrection of the gospel. Every church, every Christian, every preacher should be united in the testimony of the gospel, and particularly the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it's talking about in this part of the verse, in this chapter. This is the gospel of the resurrection. And so I realize there are some divisions, even within Christianity, that there are some divisions. But listen to me. The ultimate test is, do they preach the gospel? Do they preach that Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day, that he had the power to defeat death, hell, and the grave? Because you can have everything else wrong, but as long as you got salvation right, amen, you're on your way to heaven. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen to that, because there's no other religion. There's no other religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, none of them rose from the grave. But listen to me, Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. The grave could not hold him. Hell does not have enough power to hold him captive. Amen. He has power over that. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And one day, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. You think of that. Death and hell, hell itself, will be cast into the lake of fire. And you say, is there anything worse than hell? Well, according to the Bible, there is, because hell itself will be cast into the lake of fire. And so everything should be hinged off of that, the gospel and the resurrection. Amen. That is the gospel, because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have no Christianity. And see, that's the difference between all the other religions. None of them rose from the grave. None of them defeated death where Christ did. And now a Christian, that word means to be like Christ, a small Christ, a mini Christ, to act like Christ. Amen? That's what the word means. Look now in verse number 12 as Paul continues on. He says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And you know that was said then at Paul's time, and it's said today too. Many don't believe in the resurrection. But listen, Paul gives us some consequences of denying the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, it would just flat out mean that Christ didn't rise from the grave himself, but he did. And there are many witnesses. If you listen to my last sermon, that he first appeared out of the disciples to Peter and then to the, to the rest of the 12 and then to 500 brethren at one time saw him. So there were many, many eyewitnesses. And so to prove the fact of the bodily resurrection, Paul bases his case on the simple fact that Christ had already been risen from the grave. And it is not just a good idea. It is a biblical Bible fact. Amen. And there are many witnesses. If you go to court today and they call a witness and that witness testifies to one thing and you call a second witness and they testify of the same thing and they call a third witness and they tell the exact same thing. You can almost guarantee that that same thing is what happened. But think of that. 500 brethren at one time saw the Lord Jesus Christ after he had been crucified and he rose from the grave. It is a Bible fact that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Paul goes on here in verse number 13. But if there be no resurrection of death, then Christ 
is not risen. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then, then obviously Christ is not risen. And if, if that was a true conclusion, the Corinthians, they, they lived in hopeless gloom and despair. They had no hope. But listen to me, something happened when Christ died on that cross that he proved right then that he had the power to raise people and himself from the grave. And it's in Matthew 27, 50. Listen to these next few, verse, few verses. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and beheld the veil of the temple which was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the city and appeared unto many. Have you thought about that? That the moment that Christ died, he proved that he had the power to raise people from the grave. Because bodies of the saints which slept, meaning they were asleep, they were, their bodies were dead, but their spirit was with the Lord. They arose from the grave and they come out of the graves, verse 53 tells you, and went into the cities and appeared unto many. Jesus Christ proved he had the power to raise the dead at his death. And even before his death, as he raised Lazarus from the grave. But see, when, even when he called Lazarus, he raised him from the dead. But Lazarus did not have eternal life at that time. He was still going to die. His body was still going to die. But see, after Christ rose from the grave, he had the power to give, he has the power to give people eternal life. He has the power to give you eternal life because death is not natural, ladies and gentlemen. That's why it is such a sad event. It is so sad when you lose a loved one you truly care about. It's sad when you lose a grandparent or a parent, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, and especially a child or grandchild because that is not natural. And death itself is not natural because it was not so from the beginning. God did not create us to die in the beginning. It is because of sin came into the world that death passed upon all men because Adam sinned. It brought sin into the world. And the Bible says that death passed upon all men. And so it is a very, very sad thing when people die. Why? Because it was not so from the beginning. God did not create us in that matter to do that. He did not create us to die. He created us to give us life. We are the ones that brought sin into the world. And before we cast too many stones at Adam, hey, if it wasn't him, it would have been you or it would have been me. Why? Because we're human beings. You say, well, wait a minute. And I've heard this. Wait a minute. Why would God create me like this? Because God gives you free will. God gives you free will. And in order to have true love, you have to have free will. Why do you think that fruit was in the garden? The fruit that they shouldn't eat from the, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because there had to be a choice. In order to have true love, you must have a choice. And they had a choice, even though God told them, do not eat of that fruit. Why? They want, God wanted them to choose him. Just like today, God wants you to choose him. There's something so sacred that God himself will not touch it. And that is your free will. Although God's there and he loves you and his hand is out, 
And he wants you to take it. He wants you to accept his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. Repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him. But there is no forcing it on you. It is a choice of your own free will. But know this, if you don't, if you reject it, or if you just think I'm good enough, because there are many people in church today who believe that they're good enough. They've never truly been born again. When you die, the moment you die, your eyes will open up in hell. And it's a one-way door. You'll never come out. And you think there's nothing worse than hell, but there is. There's the lake of fire, which hell and whoever's in hell will be cast into. But that was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. You see, God didn't make a way for them to be redeemed, but he made a way for you to be redeemed through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what we're looking at today. The resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, because without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Amen. Jesus Christ defeated death, hell and the grave. And so Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at verse 14 as Paul's going on here. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith also vain? Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. If the Lord Jesus did not rise from the dead, then there would be no way of knowing that his death had been any greater value than any other person's death. He was just Christ and he died. But that's not true. That's not what happened. He rose from the grave. And with him rising from the grave, he testified to the fact that he had completely satisfied the redemptive work of Christ that God wanted. Amen. He did all that was needed to be done for you, for you to be redeemed. Amen. That's what he, that's what he meant when he died. His last words, it is finished. He was completing the work that God had given him to do. So if God's word were false, then faith would be empty too. There'd be no reason to have any faith. But you can have faith because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now, Paul is writing to people, and there was false witnesses in that day saying that Christ had really not risen from the grave just as there is today. And so this is just as much to you as it was to them. Amen. Look with me now verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified to God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. It would not simply be a matter of the apostles were preaching a false message. It would mean that they had really been testifying against God, but they weren't because the resurrection is a biblical fact. It is a Bible fact. They testified of God that he raised up Christ from the dead, just as any real preacher will preach today. If you hear a preacher say something different, you listen to me, you stay away from him because he's a heretic. He is not a Bible preacher. That's why I love a preacher that I stand up and say, open your Bibles to such and such passage. Why? Because he wants you to see what God's word said. And I'm here to tell you, that's one thing about the Catholics. They don't want you reading your Bible because if you read your Bible, you'll realize that they are dead wrong. That's right. I said that. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I mean that in love. Amen. If you'll open your Bible and you will read it, you will realize, you will realize that the Catholic church is wrong. And if you think about the verse that I read to you in Matthew 27, 51, when Christ died, listen, and beheld the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top 
to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. You see, within the temple, there was a veil that only the high priest could go behind to make a sacrifice for the people to, to temporarily cover their sins. And only the high priest could go behind that curtain. When Christ died on that cross, the Bible says that that curtain was ripped in two from top to bottom. And that curtain was so thick that not even sunlight could get through it, but yet it was ripped, it was torn completely tore to pieces, signifying that any person can go to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing another man can do for you or forgive you of your sins or help you get right with God. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that you can get to God. He is our intercessor. He's the one that goes in between us and and God. And when he died and that veil was rent, you no longer needed a high priest or a priest. Jesus Christ is the high priest. Amen. You can go to him. Any person could go to him. And he wants you to read your Bible. He wants you to know your Bible. He wants you to memorize your Bible. He wants you to stay in your Bible. He wants you to read your Bible daily. Amen. Why? Because you will get to know God on a personal level. You will walk with Him and talk with Him. It's just like getting to know somebody. You don't know them well at first, but as you spend time with them day after day and talking to them and getting to know them, maybe having a meal with them, praying with them, hey, you get to know them better and better and better. And God is just like that. The more time that you spend with Him, the closer He's going to draw to you. He said, draw nine to me and I'll draw nine to you. God is always there. He is the the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's us that changes, but God is always there, forgiving God with his hand out, saying, come closer, have fellowship with me, because that's what he wants from you. He wants fellowship with you. That's the whole reason Christ came, so that he, so that you could have fellowship with God. Amen. Going on to verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. But since the resurrection had taken place, the resurrection is not an impossibility because Christ defeated the death. So for you, Christ has the power to raise you also. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. If Christ didn't die on the cross, hey, you have no hope. Your faith means nothing. You're going to die in your sins. There is no forgiveness, Paul says. Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They're done, in other words. They lived their life. They died. It's over for them. There's no coming back. There's no second chance. There's no rising from the dead if Christ didn't. But he did. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If Christ is not risen, then us living believers are in wretched condition, brothers and sisters. Paul is thinking here of sorrows and suffering and trials and persecutions to which Christians are exposed and to go through afflictions like that for a false cause, what a pathetic and miserable life that would be. Most certainly, that's what he said, most miserable. But listen to verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Christ 
beat. He was the first fruits of raising somebody from the dead. Amen. And there's many more to follow. Paul triumphantly announces the fact of the resurrection of Christ and of the blessed consequences that follow. Those that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will be a fruit after that. But it says Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept because Christ is now risen. He's the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. And you listen to me. He wants you to accept him as your personal savior so that he can seal you unto the day of redemption. He can put a piece of the Holy Spirit in you that you may spend all eternity with him. He was crucified. He was buried and he rose again the third day. I ask you today, not if you're a Sunday school teacher, you've been in church all your life. Have you truly repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.